good morning. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this time we have to hear from your word. I pray that you would reach us wherever we are today and whatever things are in our mind, in our hearts, in our lives. Father, bring your grace and your mercy to us and remind us of your love for us in this time. In your name, amen. So I recently reread Henry Nouwen's book on leadership uh, called In the Name of Jesus. If you're not familiar with Nouwen, he was uh, one who spent 20 years working at Notre Dame and working at Yale and Harvard, but he left academia to go work at a home for the mentally handicapped. And it was during this time that he gave a speech in Washington, D.C. to a bunch of religious leaders. And in this speech, which is recorded in this book, Nouwen says this at the very beginning. He says words like right-wing, reactionary, conservative, liberal, and left-wing are used to describe people's opinions, and many discussions seem more like political battles for power than spiritual searches for truth. Nowen goes on to say that the burning issues of our time can easily lead to divisiveness as we get so caught up in our strong opinions that we look past one another, that we talk past one another. Nowen wrote these words in 1989, but these feel like the words of 2020. Political battles for power, divisiveness, and disagreements feels like the air that we breathe today. And that's why I'm very thankful for this new sermon series we're doing as a church. We are going to, for the next few weeks, look at the Gospels and see how Jesus interacts with people, how Jesus even argues with people. We as a church hopefully are going to get to see what is important to Jesus and how he argues and deals with questions and folks that are trying to trap him and how he treats everyone, including those that disagree with him. And so this morning we are going to be looking at Mark 12, verses 13 through 17. So let me read that for us now. And they sent to him some from the Pharisees and some from the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly treat the, treat the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a Daenerys and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar. Jesus said to him, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. This is God's word, and it is given to us for our good. So I recently went to the eye doctor, and I have to say that I often get stressed out at those appointments. And what stresses me out is when they are checking my prescription to see if it has changed. If you've been there, you know you have a machine put up to your eyes, you have letters that are on the wall, and they ask you to read the letters. And then they start asking you, which is clearer, lens A or lens C, lens B or lens A? And they keep switching the lenses. And at first, it's pretty easy. It's blurry, and then it's clear. So I'm like, obviously, lens B is clear. But what stresses me out is when you get closer to my prescription, and, and the lenses seem very similar. Is A clearer than B? Is C better than A? And I get stressed wondering, am I answering them right? 
It's too hard to tell which one is clearer, which one is closer to my prescription. I share that as an illustration to what I think is happening in our passage today. The religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus, and so they give him a question that seems too hard. They give him a question about taxes to Caesar as a moral, political, binary question. A or B, Jesus, you have to give an answer. Do you support Rome and alienate the crowds that are around you that do not like or believe in this tax? Or do you say no to the tax and revolt against Rome and get into trouble with the authorities? Either answer was going to give Jesus problems. And Jesus knew that this was a trap. He knew that it was a test to get him into trouble. He knew the impossibility of answering the question to everyone's satisfaction. And it is good to see how Jesus responds. It is good for us to see here and elsewhere in Scripture how Jesus deals with politics and faith. How Jesus deals with God and government. Now we are not going to get a timeless ethical ruling today which settles the debate once and for all about the relationship between church and state. We're not going to, in our brief time this morning, be able to solve all the political disagreements in our world, the political disagreements amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't have time to answer all the political fighting that we see, that we experience, that we participate in. There are often complex questions and situations when it comes to faith and politics. I mean, just to name one recent somewhat complex situation that many churches, including ours, has had to deal with is the question of what to do when we are told by the state not to meet corporately as a church or to have a certain amount of people in this room, even if it seems like we could fit more. Do we obey the governors and the mayors when it comes to not gathering in worship? Or we disobey them because worship is important and essential to our faith? Some would say this is an easy question to answer. Some would and have said it is quite clear and simple what churches should do. The Bible is clear. Worship is important. We are called to gather together corporately. And so we obey God and God wants worship. So that settles it. We worship no matter what. But the Bible also calls us to obey the authorities. We heard it in our New Testament reading in 1 Peter. The Bible also calls us not just to love God, but to love our neighbors and to be a witness to the world around us. So loving God is important, and so gathering for worship is important. But loving our neighbor is important, and if there is any way that we can help stop the spread of the disease, we were willing to adjust some of our worship desires and wants we have. I think what we decided to do as a church is right, but I know not everyone agrees with us. And I share this as an example not to try to defend our position, but rather to acknowledge this is just one complex issue that believers disagree with one another in. When it comes to faith and politics, it is often complex and messy. And often we believe there's only one right way to think. There's only one right answer to the questions of faith and politics. And we might need to be challenged with our thinking. Often we are so consumed with being right or proving others wrong that we miss an opportunity to grow in faith when it comes to dealing with our search for truth. 
and I truly believe, and I pray that as we see Jesus in the sermon series, as we see how he interacts, how he loves, and how he treats people that disagree with him or are out to get him, it will help us out in our interactions with one another in this room and in our city and world. We might not solve any religious and political debates we have in this room today, but my hope is at the end of our time we could at least all see Jesus a little bit more and that we can grow in intimacy with him even in our disagreements. Related to this intimacy, now and in the book I mentioned at the beginning, talks about the hope of intimacy that Jesus offers us in our questions, in our doubts, and in our debates. And I love this. This is what Nowen writes about this intimacy. It will be possible to remain flexible without being relativistic, convinced without being rigid, willing to confront without being offensive, gentle and forgiving without being soft, and true witnesses without being manipulative. That quote is what we hope we grow in as we go through this sermon series. And that quote is what I want to think about as we look at this passage together. Because of the theme of this sermon series and because of the time that I have, I only want to look at one thing from this text today. There is a lot we could focus on in this brief story of Jesus. But today I want to just look at how we should and should not interact with people we disagree with. The Pharisees and the Herodians, they come to Jesus and notice how they interact with him. They call him true. They call him one that isn't swayed by other people's opinions. They highlight Jesus' integrity, and they say that he truly teaches the way of God. Everything that these men said was 100% true, but their intentions were false and hypocritical. What they said was true, but in their hearts, They did not really believe it. And we have to ask ourselves, is this how we sometimes interact with others? Especially those we don't agree with. I believe it is very easy in our culture to use whatever method we can to prove that we are right. It is very easy to act like we listen, like we care, Like we want to learn from other people, but all the time what we want is to win and prove them wrong. It is very easy for me to use whatever I can to try to get my point across. The Pharisees and the Herodians, they use flattery and show to try to get what they wanted from Jesus, and Jesus knew it. Again, nothing in their words seem wrong, but Jesus sees past their words to their hypocrisy. This, to me, is very convicting and encouraging at the same time. Brothers and sisters, Jesus knows our hearts. Jesus sees us when we talk past one another and don't show grace to others that we disagree with. Jesus sees us in how we treat people as enemies, even if they don't know we're treating them as enemies. The way we talk about them to others, it's as if they are the enemies that we can't stand. And Jesus sees that. Jesus sees our hypocrisy, sees the ways that we act one way in front of people and treat them very differently when we are alone away from them. And he looks past the masks we wear and beyond the words we say 
to see the real us. And this is convicting. It is very convicting to realize Jesus knows in my heart the things I try to hide from you. But it's also very encouraging to me that Jesus sees us, that Jesus knows us, that Jesus knows our hearts and those things we are hiding from others. He knows our failures, and yet he still loves us. He still forgives us. He still pursues us. He still points us to the hope in him. And he helps us fight against the way we treat others as we turn to this Jesus that knows us and loves us. And what Jesus always does is he points us to the truth of God and what God says about us. In our passage today, Jesus takes this question asked about the tax, and he says, show me a coin. And they bring him a coin, and he says, whose image is on this coin? And they answer him, Caesar. And so he says, render to Caesar what is Caesar, or give to Caesar what is Caesar's. See, the picture on the coin was Caesar's. It was his coin. It was his metal that was used to, to make the coin. It was Caesar's wealth, the government's wealth that was used to provide things like the roads and the education, the military protection that the people were using. And so Jesus says, give back to his what is already his. But he doesn't end there. He says, but we also need to give to God the things that are God. And this amazed the crowd. Because what he said is an astonishing, amazing truth. Jesus, using the image of the coin, uses the same term we see in in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, where it talks about how everyone is created in the image of God. Jesus is saying a powerful thing here. One of the things he's saying is that even Caesar, who was not liked by many, was created in the image of God. Even people that we don't like or disagree with are created in the image of God. God's image is on everyone. If we could just believe that truth, I think it would change us in how we treat one another. We might still disagree. We might still debate. We might still not ever come to an agreement. But what if we treated the other person we disagree with as one who is in the image of God, who is loved by God just like we are? If we could believe that, how much it would change our community and our city in our world. And if it is true that it is God and God alone who places his image on everyone, there is many ramifications to that, but one that is important to know is that means God is in control of everyone and everything. This is simple to say, but very hard to believe. God was in control when Caesar was reigning, and God is in control today, even if it doesn't feel like that. And so our call from Jesus is we give everything to God that he deserves, which is everything. We are called by Jesus to give to God what is his. So that means we give to God our words that we say about others, how we talk about others. We need to give that over to God and either repent of the ways we've done wrong or turn to God and have him help us use words of encouragement to one another. We can give God our minds. That means we can be open to learn and to debate and to discuss things that we disagree with, but also to open our minds to maybe think we might be wrong occasionally. And we can give them our heart to be patient and loving towards one another and forgiving one another when we let each other down, which we do often. 
And ultimately, he wants our lives. Everything we do and everything we are, we can give to God as image bearers in the city and world around us. May we see and believe that we are bearing the image of God to our city and our world. May we render to God what is God. May we render him and give him worship and give him our lives. And may we also give him our love towards one another, especially those we don't agree with often. Let us pray. Father, may we live these words out, not just today, not just this week, but with our lives. May we give to you not just our time and our money and our service and our energy. May we give you our lives. And we thank you for taking our broken, needy lives and restoring them and renewing them to be able to be ambassadors to your kingdom. We thank you for this hope. May we rest in it now and forever. In your name, amen.